Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Northfield Radio Program. Man, I am so excited that you guys are here with us today. Whoa, we've got a show for you today. We're going to be sitting down and talking about the doctrines of grace, a.k.a. Calvinism. I sit down with my friends Aaron Vaughn and Zach Costello, and we just unpack what the Bible says about the doctrines of grace, Reformed Calvinistic theology. Mm-hmm. That's what we're going to look at. So I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. As always, I want to say thank you to our friends at Outpost Coffee. Check these guys out. They're incredible. They've got amazing beverages. Outpostcoffeeco.com. Welcome to the Northfield Nation, my friends. How is everyone doing? Good. Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> like really fantastic? Really, really, really. I love it. I love it. Well, um, Zach, how you doing? And your fabulous beard? Uh, very good. Very good. It is a stellar beard. I brought. Uh, thank you. I, There's beard, beard envy going on. It is, right it now, is so. a yeard, after <laughs> a all. Year. So <laughs> you got to be patient. Mm. You know. It's but good. I wore, I wore my Spurgeon shirt. Hey, that's, a, for, that's appropriate for, for today. Yes. Nice. That is and appropriate. Also brought my favorite glass. Your your Calvinist glass. Yeah. It's it's it says. What is that? You're it drinking says, in it. it. Is lemonade. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say Alka-Seltzer. So, but I also, <laughs> oh, actually, I forget that that actually is a quote from Spurgeon as well. It says, "I am not a Calvinist by choice, but because I cannot help it." There you go. Amen. I like it. <laughs> I like it. I, that's funny. I'm wearing my Calvinist shirt too. It's it's more subtle. But uh, I ordered it off of a Calvinist website online, so anyway. Oh, yeah. You, so, dirty, you dirty, dirty person. <laughs> had, yeah. Aaron, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. So as you can obviously tell uh, by the intro of the show and by our conversations, conversations about t-shirts and glasses, <laughs> we're talking about the and, doctrines of grace. And me flipping to Romans 9 right yeah, now. Yeah, say Romans. Hey. I'm in Ephesians. Yeah, I'm in 8, right? I'm in, here, I'm so, in yeah. Ephesians I'm 1 and 2. So. Oh, well, we just got all the bases covered. We're yeah, just, I got a Ephesians pulled up too, so got it going. Somebody needs to go to Genesis one, yeah, yeah. so that we can just start from the beginning. Where's yeah. our fourth guy and in the beginning? <laughs> Where's he at? So, how, well, just start. How, how are you guys doing? Great. I, I haven't had you guys on the show in a little bit, so yeah. what's uh, mm-hmm. how's the family? Well, my family's good. Uh, we're just gearing up for the the hopefully no rain this weekend. Hopefully a nice. Sunny summer type of weekend. That's right. You guys are playing this weekend. Yeah, we're playing at Sunfest. Sunfest. This this will be on the this will be online before Sunfest. So if you get to Sunfest Saturday, they're going to be playing the main stage at four o'clock. So that's right. Very cool. Yeah. Yep. Should be good. I'll be I'll be singing there. Yeah. As well. Are you singing with Don? Really? Yeah. Yeah. We're just doing a little. What time are you doing? Um. I don't remember. I want to say it was four thirty, maybe four or four thirty somewhere around there. So, yeah, Don Pearson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I haven't seen him in a long time. I need and, uh, to swing by there and say hi to you. Yeah, I believe he was able to swing in a drummer, so we'll, we'll have a three, three-piece cool. band. He's got, I wonder <laughs> if it's going to be uh, Wheeler. I don't know. No, not Wheeler. Some guy named uh, Josh. Oh, okay. he, he played with us last year. <coughs> okay. He did a pretty good job. Right yep, on. that's good stuff. All right, well, we're going to dive into this thing. <clears throat> we're talking about uh, Calvinism. We're talking about mm-hmm. the idea of predestination and God's sovereign choosing. And I, I think of, uh, like I said, Ephesians 1, <clears throat> and I, I, I'm just going to read a bit of it. 
It says, even as he chose us, this is chapter one, verse four, mm-hmm. even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy, blameless, holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purposes of his will. So when I read that guys, um, that text, it says, even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The idea that God chose us. Mm-hmm. Um, the, and this is a, this is a topic that people really get bent out of shape over in the church really quick. Mm-hmm. Sure. And we get, yeah. people get nervous uh, with this idea that God is the one who's in charge of ultimately everything about our salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cause that's called pride. So okay, yeah. maybe okay. Somebody maybe somebody's listening to this. They're six minutes in. They're saying, "What in the world are y'all talking about?" <laughs> so maybe that, maybe I sh- maybe that's where yeah. we should start. So is say okay, start by breaking something. Let's along okay. These lines sure. Down. What is the, what, the, what is the doctrines we, of grace? Yeah. What is the doctrines of grace? What is the doctrines of grace? And so this idea that that what is Calvinism? What is the doctrines of grace? It is this that like I read in Ephesians one, your salvation is not something that you chose. Your salvation, your salvation was based upon God's grace. God's grace. Sovereignty. Ephesians mm-hmm. 2, 8, 9. For by grace have you been saved through faith. And see, we're up to that point. We're like, yeah, for yeah, And everybody's nodding their heads. Mm-hmm. But when you really start to break down Ephesians 2, 8, 9, where it says, for by grace have you been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a mm-hmm. gift. So the grace is not yours and the faith to even believe is not yours it's <laughs> a sure. gift even the repentance it, that comes absolutely. is not truly yours it's a gift not innately yours anyway no it's, well if yeah. and i'm looking at this you know just if you were to line these up the, the <clears throat> doctrines of grace the, the five points of calvinism versus the five points of arminianism and i'm glad you brought this because it saved me from doing a whole lot of mm-hmm. internet search real Digging. quick but anyway uh you know the, the fact that Calvinism brings to light the the truth in a lot of the scripture. So mm-hmm. when you're talking about um, what God is saying and the relevance of what he's saying, mm-hmm. I think uh, the, the Calvinistic belief and the theology behind it is more uh, ten times more solid than Arminianism. Oh, yeah. and, you know what I mean? And a lot of well, people the, the get, word I would put on it is consistent. Absolutely. Consistent that's, in, that's what yes, it, what it comes down to is the importance of consistency mm-hmm. in your theological system sure right and I'm, I'm totally stealing that by the way i'm quoting from dr james white sure he, sure. he talks about that constantly <laughs> absolutely are you being consistent 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 i just watched know. a video um, you know and so. and he I, he'll, he'll he'll say things such as listen the the most heavily consistent arminian that i've met is an open theist he said that, and and a lot of people get offended about that. Yeah, but he, he he breaks it down and and explains so it. So what's an open theist? Just so people. So open theism has has a lot wrapped up in it. But in general, uh, one of the big things to understand about open theism is that it it has the belief that God cannot and does not truly know all things. Mm-hmm. He does not truly know. The future. He does not truly know uh, the decisions you're going to make. He may know perhaps the outcomes of certain situations, um, but he 
may not necessarily know which choices are going to may, be made to achieve those outcomes. And he has a plan, of course, for each of sure. those potential outcomes, yeah. which is wildly unbiblical. I need to Absolutely. spit for everything I just yeah. said. Yeah. But I'll take a drink no, of my yeah. Calvinist lemonade. And on that, I mean, yeah, I totally unbiblical. And I mean, you go from Genesis to Revelation, everything that you read within here is the exact opposite of what you just said about God, right. who he is right. and what he desires from us, right. you know, or for us. Well, I mean, I so, so one of the first things you see in this, the, the compare and contrast against Armenianism and Calvinism, Armenians believe a sinner can do good. Yes, we're, yes, we're sinners, but we can do good and we can respond to God. Mm -hmm. What does the scriptures say? Well, <laughs> Ephesians 2 my first sermon mm -hmm. ever. You were dead. Can a dead man choose? Right here. That's the it question. says it right here. I'll read it. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of power of the air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. You were dead. There's nothing. I mean, you could, I can go on, but uh, mm -hmm. I think that sums up what you're yeah. saying. So the question uh, I mean, is. It's all over the place. You can cross-referenced over to Romans 3, mm -hmm. Romans mm -hmm. 1. Mm -hmm. Romans 1, I'd call the total depravity chapter. Absolutely. Absolutely. Romans 3, there is none who seeks for God. All have gone astray. None who does good. There is no God seeker. Which begs the question, how do we answer God if we're dead? <laughs> how can we respond to God? The first, the first thing here. Yeah, dead men do not do a lot of talking. That's right. So we... I don't know. We can't respond to God if we're if we're dead. dead. And, and the next the next point that an Armenian will say is, well, God's election. Well, I can go with election, but God's election is based upon His foreknowledge. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, the and word... I would say I would say then again, all you have to do is ask questions. Sure. And my next question would be, okay, how do you define God's foreknowledge? What mm -hmm. is God's foreknowledge? <clears throat> and this is what I've where heard. You start to Here's what to I hear. This is the this is the, the typical things. answer. It's like God's above a parade and mm -hmm. he sees the beginning of the route and he sees the end and he knows who's going to choose him. Mm -hmm. So therefore, he is going to choose them. And I'm mm -hmm. like think about what you just therefore, said. Therefore, God's choice is based on my choice. <clears throat> Got it. Think yeah, about that. It. So I'm sovereign then. <laughs> well, I think it's, That's, yeah. I did think. you hear what you just said? <laughs> you know, and, and it's, it is a, it is a very common belief. It's extra. I already knew what you were going to say before yeah. you even said it. So <clears throat> I think you make null and void God's sovereignty. If you say that he has to intentionally look into the future to mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. You're saying he already does. He doesn't know, so he's not sovereign overall. So right. you're you're contradicting your own self in that right. aspect. So right. exactly, it's right. it's. Let me, I, I what I tell people when I'm having a conversation about that specifically, I say, look, man, God doesn't know the future because he looks down and sees the future that. Mm -hmm is unfolding in front of him as if as if it's he's watching a movie play all right god knows the future because he decreed the future sure. yeah he knows the Period. beginning from the end that's what the scripture says he, he declares knows. The he beginning declares he knows everything he knows all things not he only is does over he all things know the beginning from the end he declares the means mm -hmm. to those ends sure. 
uh, or that in. There is no, what I try to emphasize so heavily with people is that there is no, there is no option B no. with God. There is no plan B. There is no. no, no, there is God's sovereign decree, his sovereign order, his providence, his purpose, and the, all those words are coming straight out of scripture, his purposes, his will, and that's it. Yeah. He is sovereign over all, or he is sovereign, sovereign over, over none. Nothing. Absolutely. That's R.C. Sproul. <coughs> it's, you have to try to gently ask those questions and ask people, okay, so how sovereign is he? Uh, is your God sovereign or is he not? And I think most Christians would say, or none. would say yes. You so, know. so here's, and here's yeah. what people say. Um, if God is the one who's in charge, uh, because here's another camp of Calvinism that I can't really get on board with is the hyper, hyper Calvinists that say evangelism is not necessary. Yeah, I, absolutely. I cannot, yeah. uh, I cannot jump on board with that um, because faith, the scripture says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Right. How sure. is a man, woman, boy, or girl saved? Right. It is by the preaching of God's right. word. I don't know how God uses his word, but the Holy Spirit, that's that's the tool that the Holy Spirit right. uses sure. to in, infiltrate a man, right. woman, boy, girl's heart mm -hmm. and, and bring them back to life. That's right. how they're brought back to life is by the preaching of the word of right. God. And, and, that's, it, and that's what we just said a minute ago. That's, that is what? The means. Yeah, exactly. That he's the chosen to use. And yeah. the means, why did God choose to use us foolish, wicked, selfish, constantly falling men to proclaim know. his word? Because he loves us. I don't us. know. But it's a, <laughs> he loves us, and it's a privilege. It's, it's, yeah. it's grace. It is a privilege to do so, and it is the means that God has chosen to it's use. It's God's plan that this is what he wanted to do, and I, I'm not going to argue with him. Yeah. I just <laughs> it's a privilege to participate. Or better yet, who what are a we wonderful to privilege. A lot of people lose that in in a lot of these debates and discussions. Right. Like even believers, you yeah. know, who argue against uh, this particular topic, say, you know, well, why does God do this? Why does God do this? And I always like to rebut them. Well, who are you to question your sovereign God that you claim is sovereign? You know what I mean? So, Where were we in Romans nine? <laughs> Who are you, old exactly. man? Who answers back? Exactly. But can yeah. we can we back up for just a second? Sure. Yeah. So so we we had we, we started down the road and then we popped yeah. pop, we I popped open a couple rabbit sure, holes. Yeah, yeah. So and back so back to the foundation, right? Mm -hmm. Where we started, we asked, "What is Calvinism? What are the doctrines of grace? How do you generally define that?" And I think people need to understand, Calvinism itself is not a religion. That's right. Okay? No. Calvinism That's right. is what's called, we're going to break out some big words here, people, so get ready. <laughs> and it's beautiful, it's wonderful, and everybody needs to learn. It's fantastic. It's, <coughs> Calvinism is simply what is called a soteriology. And soteriology is basically, how are you saved? And you, you said that earlier. You mentioned how is salvation accomplished? Yeah. Who accomplishes it? How does it come about? And that's what a soteriology is. How is salvation accomplished? Sure. How are we saved? Sure. So that's what Calvinism is. It is a soteriol soteriological system um, that declares um, what, what I believe is the clear biblical view of how mankind is reconciled back to God, how he is justified, and how he is saved. And 
Anyway, I just wanted to define no, that good. real quick as a foundation before we... And, and Absolutely. To even give more some foundational principle, what Calvinism is based off of, and Armenia is based off of two guys uh, that, that studied the Bible. Essentially. Yeah. Essentially. I mean, that's, that's yeah. where they get their names. Yeah. Well, not only that, but Calvinism, a lot of people don't know this because nobody likes to study church history anymore. <laughs> Calvinism, as far as the five points, Calvinism was was around long yeah, before that. that. Yep. It's right. Great. But when people look at the canons of Dort in history, mm -hmm. the five points as we know them today, and really they were actually in a different order. We don't have to get into that. Sure. That came about, those five points came about as a response mm -hmm. to Arminius yes. and yep. his followers. Yeah. They actually put forth their soteriological beliefs and systems, and it just happened to be five points. <clears throat> and the Synod of Dort got together and said, no, no, we need to deal with this right now, yeah. and we need to issue a response. Absolutely. And so yeah. they did. And so that was their response. So you could say that Arminianism gave rise <laughs> but, to the five sure. points of Calvinism. Yeah, and it was nece a necessary rise, but you're absolutely right. So yeah. another one of the points of Arminianism is that Christ, and this is the one that I think most people struggle with, is this idea of limited atonement. Mm -hmm. That God, because sure. they, they, Arminianism believes Christ died for everyone. Mm -hmm. sure. And the rebuttal to that is Christ only died for the elect, yeah, those, those who that are, are his, um, those who are his sheep, those that are his sheep that he knew before the foundation of the world, and yeah. so can can I just read something? Yeah, go, yeah, for, go for it. So this is Romans eight twenty eight, and it's one of my favorite things in, in reference to this exact. Are you about to read the golden <laughs> chain, Aaron? <laughs> <laughs> Here it is, and we know that God causes all things to work together for the good to those who love God. That's a key mm -hmm. element there. To those who are called according to his purpose. Mm -hmm. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to come conform to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified also glorified. I think that's a, a most mm -hmm. relevant passage of yeah. scripture when it's talking about mm -hmm. uh, specifically the elect. I mean, that lays out <laughs> yeah, salvation absolutely. start to finish, doesn't it? <laughs> absolutely. So here's what a lot of people say. They hear, they heard the word for whom he foreknew. So right. they immediately, like, well, that's based on his foreknowledge. I love this little note from Johnny Mac. Yeah. By John <laughs> MacArthur. Foreknew, foreknew in verse 29. Not a reference simply to God's omnipresence if it is, uh, that is eternity past, he knew who would come to Christ. Rather, it speaks of his predetermined choice set that he set his love on us and established an, an, an intimate relationship, sorry, an intimate relationship uh, with, his election, with his elect. Right. So right. that, I mean, he broke that, this word is actually not... When you say, "Oh, he foreknew," that's—I mean, it's just based on his his predestination is based on his foreknowledge. Mm -hmm. That's not what the word "foreknew" means. Yeah, foreknew is is a. I've done a lot of study on this just because it's such a beautiful word. But what people need to understand is foreknowledge is not a description of God foreseeing events. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. It is not yeah. God foreseeing things that sure. would happen. Foreknowledge, prognosko, which is the word in the Greek, and then you can get into the word yada, which is in the old Hebrew, to know. Pro is before, gnosko, 
it is an intimate knowledge of persons. Mm -hmm. It is a personal knowledge. It is speaking. That's why it says those whom, whom. Yep. he foreknew, yeah. not what he what foresaw, he yeah. not what events he foresaw. <laughs> no, whom he foreknew. It yeah. is a personal, intimate, <clears throat> deep, saving knowledge. So mm -hmm. let's let's go this route because I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate just for kicks and giggles. Um, when they when you hear the text that in the scriptures, and I'm trying to pull it and I'm trying to remember it, and I'll think of it in a second. But it, he, it, in essence, says he's not willing that any should perish. Oh yeah, that's the go-to. <laughs> but but all would come to repentance. How, yeah. how would you respond to that? You got one. Um. Well, I got several. Uh, <laughs> let's see. So here's how I would answer it. Okay. First of all, uh, the three basic rules you used, you use for biblical exegesis, is context, context, and context. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it has been clearly demonstrated by people like. Dr. James White, and, and it's not that we should always just refer to other people and say, oh, well, so-and-so says it, so it must be true. No, when you examine the context of that passage, you look at the verses surrounding it, you examine who Peter is talking mm -hmm. to, who he's addressing them, why he's addressing them, and it becomes pretty clear that Peter, when he says that, he is addressing the elect. Sure. He is speaking of the elect. He is speaking of those whom he foreknew. Mm -hmm. um, he is not willing that any of his people should perish. Yes. And there's there's other examination you can do of the original language and the Greek, of course, and things like that, but we could go on that for hours. But context determines the meaning, and I think it's pretty clear that he is speaking of God's people there. He's sure. speaking so of So he's not the, just talking about church. everyone in the world he's talking about. No, he's... Right. Absolutely. And I think going back to consistency, right. it's... All the way throughout the scripture, when you see the uh, disciples or you see somebody preaching on behalf of mm -hmm. knowing Christ, who is of Christ, they the majority of the time, it's about or to their brothers and sisters. Yeah, right. So right, he's speaking to it's the church. It's consistent. Yes, yeah. yeah. And, and I love that you brought that up because that brings up another great point as far as consistency. We're talking about the will of God, right? Yep. That verse says he's not willing that any should perish. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, the question then becomes, well, does God accomplish his will? Of course he does. <laughs> yeah, of course he does. Is God sovereign? Yes, of course he is. They have to answer yes sure. to those questions. Well, if he's not willing that any should perish, uh, guess what? No one would perish. Absolutely. But scripture is very clear that there are those that die in their sins. There he's are addressing those, those who hell. he foreknew. Yeah, he is not willing that any should perish, that all who should come to repentance. It's those who are granted repentance, those you, who are granted faith. Absolutely, and repentance you asked me is about not growing out of ourselves. You asked me about one, and I just flipped over the page right after this, and uh, this passage of scripture, Ephesians two four, <clears throat> but God being rich in mercy because of His great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgression, made us alive together with Christ. Right. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ. So I look at that relative to John 3.16. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. I, and Right. Being consistent. Yes. Right. And, and they coincide with each other. Right. 
pertaining to the elect. Mm -hmm. So, right. it, anyway, it's not his, to... It's his people. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if, it, if any of you want to just <laughs> learn about Calvinism just directly from Scripture, no strings attached, no extra sources, just read the book of John. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I don't know what else to give you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, John, John 1, John 3, John 6, John 8, John 10, John yeah. 17. I mean, it's just... It's packed. It, it is rich with the theology, especially yeah. if there's anything I can get anyone listening to this podcast to do immediately is read John 6 and John 10. Sure. Listen to the words of Christ. My sheep know my voice. I was just voice. looking. Is that where you just flipped? Well, providence <laughs> of God. That's right. My, my sheep, sheep hear my voice. hear my voice, <laughs> and I know them. And they follow What's me. that word? Know. Oh. I know. Gnosko. Is that, is that maybe foreknowledge? What? Not, what? I, I know you foreknew? They, they know me. They are known by the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son. The Son and the Father, I and the Father are one. They hear my voice and they come. Which? They will never be snatched out of my hand. That's right. I mean, on Ever. and on and on. It's rich it's with beautiful, with so beautiful doctrine. Which also leads to the point that if you have the ability to choose Christ, how, how can you choose something that you don't know? Or that does not know you. You know right. what I mean. So right. if that makes sense, right. back people to the are saying, being dead. "Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right." It's, it's back to being can he a dead man knows choose? you. Yeah, which means right. you have the opportunity, the grace to come to him. Right. That, it right. doesn't work the other way around. Yeah. Well, to you can't to call that, to Jesus. You can't. You can't <laughs> call upon something or grasp no at something of. for which you don't desire. Exactly. Either. Exactly. Desire. That's what when we would define the will of man, and creaturely will as i call it i will not call it free will because that term that term has been destroyed beyond recognition yes, yeah. and nobody knows what it means anymore but you make choices so, and decisions based on your desires mm -hmm. well scripture is clear on on we're, if, if we're gonna go in order if we're discussing total depravity <clears throat> for a moment scripture is very clear on the condition of man we are depraved. Absolutely. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart of man is desperately wicked <laughs> and deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Here. We're on the same page. <laughs> you know, I, Romans 8, the, the heart of man or the, the heart that is set on the flesh mm -hmm. does not submit itself to the things of God. Indeed, it what? Cannot. 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 Romans 3, no one seeks for God. Romans 1, the sin and depravity. I mean, it's just all through... How can you choose something that you don't desire? Your heart you, isn't. There's no way you seeking. Yeah. You're not <laughs> so, looking. Your heart is still stone. That's right. The heart of That's stone right. does not seek after. That's right. The and this God. is the, and this is where I I get back to this idea that that the word of and this is the problem with most churches, and and we're uh, everyone we're Baptists in this room. That's the problem with most Southern Baptist churches is a bulk of our Baptist churches aren't preaching God's word the way we need to be preaching God's word. We're preaching a hey man. God's good, and it's, you know, that's great. And I believe, yes, yes that's true. He is very good. Well, I'm going to say something that might offend or anger somebody, oh, because... No. If we've not it's, done that already. It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a numbers game yeah. to a lot of them, sadly. Yeah. Instead, of being, be, yeah. instead of being sure. about preaching the gospel the way that God intended it to be preached, to allow people to, the veil to be lifted, mm -hmm. and realize that God has called them to grace mm -hmm. 
a lot of these churches they get lost in themselves and the tradition of the church and making sure that there there's rear ends and seats so to speak right. you know what i mean sure. and don't get me wrong that's important you want people to come and hear the gospel yeah you want membership. but if it's just about numbers that you're tallying in the back office after you preach a sermon or lead worship then there's a big hindrance yeah in the holy spirit's and this is i'll say desire to i mean they it, to, to incorporate itself within your congregation I would I would say that and it, it kind of misworded there, but you get the gist of what I'm going at. I would that. say you I hinder. Uh, what you're getting at is that it's very important to preach yes. the whole council. Absolutely, the council absolutely. Yes. Not just you have the, to understand you're just, sinful. If you if you if you if you have and which I've heard pastors they just they don't want to use the word sin because they're terrified that it's going to offend somebody. Right. And sure. here's the thing: the gospel is offensive. <laughs> yes, it it's is. Very it, because here's the thing: it tells us you are dead and you're depraved and you're wicked. Who likes to hear that? You're yeah. wrong, basically. No one wants and to I hear that. And here, and you I like, was contend this. Well, shot to the pride, man. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? You're like, oh, who are you, old man? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah and I would rather. And here's the here's what I always contend with people: I would rather be uncomfortable for a few minutes. Yeah. I would rather be uncomfortable for a few minutes. And hear, and then hear the, yes, hear the bad news, but also hear the good news yeah. of the gospel. That Jesus right. loves me. That Jesus has. And this is what I love. It is a warm blanket. Yeah, the, I equate it to that moment where you sit down with a doctor, and you know, and he tells you you're sick, mm -hmm. you're dying, or you're dead. Yeah, essentially. You, got, you got something wrong. Yeah. But the good news. Here's how you fix it. I have something that will heal you. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. As long as we're doing illustrations. Yeah. <laughs> I love the illustration that, that Steve Lawson gives, for mm -hmm. instance. Uh, and he, he touches on exactly what you just said a moment ago, Caleb. The, the bad news versus the good news. Look, the good news is wonderful. Mm -hmm. It's the most beautiful thing that we can ever know. But how can you truly understand you your need for the good news? Until you understand the bad news. You can't. You, and you won't. You can't. It's a... It's, you can say, oh, God loves you all day, man. Jesus loves you. Hey, man, simplify. Jesus loves you, bro. Pull, pull a Todd White and just to walk down the street yeah. and tell people, you're so amazing. You're great. God loves you. And you're just a beautiful person. I, you know what? I got, a, I, got, you, I, got, I got a word. I got a word. Yeah. Your leg. Yeah. Your legs. Is something wrong with your leg. Yeah. Something like, oh, gosh. We don't have to go down that path. But the illustration yeah. that Lawson gives is, is the illustration of a diamond in a diamond store, right? Right. And you're going in there. Your wife's looking for something beautiful and pretty, and you want to please her and get, get her something beautiful because she's beautiful. Yeah. And you look at the diamond. It looks okay. It's great. But it's surrounded by other diamonds and other lights and mm -hmm. LEDs and reflections and mirrors and glass and all this nonsense. But then that jeweler does something interesting. He pulls out a piece of black velvet mm -hmm. and he sticks that diamond on top of that velvet and holds it under the light just right. Bam! And the fire and beauty yep. bursts forth from that stone. You see what I'm getting at I here? I understand. That, that you cannot understand the beauty and magnitude of the grace of God and the cure for your need, which is spiritual death, until you know the bad news, and Absolutely. that is that the black velvety wrath of God abides on you. And this is why the the law still needs to be presented in. Absolutely. If you if you if you don't present yeah. the law, if you're just like, hey, listen, you're a bad guy, you need Jesus. 
Okay, great. Thank you. <laughs> but you, when you start to unpack the law, listen, you're a liar. You're a thief. Right. You're a blasphemer of God. You, I mean, you, you're you disobedient. I mean, you're, you've broken the Ten Commandments. Are you, pull, are you pulling some, some, some Ray Comfort? Some Ray Comfort. <laughs> <laughs> I love some Ray Comfort. I love comfort. that guy. Yeah, he's a... Yeah, guy. but that's, I mean, that's, but he's, he's, He's cornered this. Him and Todd Todd Friel, mm -hmm. they've they've cornered this beautiful market, and it's not. I don't. I hate to even use that terminology, but it's the truth. They they use the law yeah. in order to expose our wickedness, and then they bring in. But hey, listen, God's beautiful, and here's how he's why he's beautiful. He loved you, yeah. and then and I've seen I've seen the videos where he's having these conversations with men and women, and you can see the yeah. Oh yeah, you oh. can see their face just changes. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh! It's either the change or the fear of knowing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I am wicked. Yeah, <laughs> you see that the eyes, the 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 pupils dilate a yeah. little bit. Oh, and he's like, wait, he's like, what? now by the way, we've only talked about four out of the ten. <laughs> that's right, that's right. And they're like, yeah. okay. And James <laughs> says, if you if you break one, you're guilty of all ten. So right. I mean, yeah. Right. How about that? And so that's we have to have you know back to Romans ten. You have to have the, the word of God preached, and it has to be the right. whole council, the whole the, council, the bad news and the good news. Yeah, well, not and and not to skip forward after you guys saying that, but what if that kind of is a good caveat to this uh, this next one? Can man resist God? Mm. Is there irresistible election, or can we resist it? Hey, wait a minute. Let me. <laughs> I, I got an illustrations, but it's a Bible illustration. There was a guy in the Bible. He didn't like Christians. His name was Paul. Well, not, he wasn't, well, Saul. Saul. <laughs> but he didn't like Christians. In fact, he the scripture says that he found joy in killing and persecuting mm -hmm. Christians and mm -hmm. went to the high priest and said, listen, I need documentation. I need this, your seal of approval so I can go to Damascus and get these folks and bring them back because they're heretics and they need to be killed. I can't right. stand this Jesus fellow. He is just, so he's on his way to him and his crew are on their way to Damascus. And then all of a sudden Jesus shows up and says, listen, I would love it if you'd accept me into your heart and, and would you pray a prayer? That's what is that how that happened? Would you please pray this magical prayer. Can you pray this? <laughs> would you pray this prayer, and 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 you accept me? Will you accept me? Is that what the is that what the text says? I don't think I don't think so. I'm, uh, I'm you know I don't remember the story word for word, but I seem to recall it going differently. Didn't he like fall to his knees in fear and <laughs> wasn't there a whole? Wasn't there like everyone <laughs> around him? Was on yes. the ground in yeah, fear yeah, yeah, as yeah. well. You know? There was a bright shining light. Here's the thing that's it's it's interesting is the bright shining light was only seen by Paul. Now mm. everyone else in the crew heard yeah. the voice of God, but they right. didn't see him. Saul, Saul saw this this giant bright shining light, and he in the text says uses the word Lord and it says mm -hmm. who. Who are, oh, and he knew, it's, he knew it's who he was addressing. L. It's capital L, so you know who he's talking about. And he says, Jesus, it's me, Jesus. I'm the one you persecute, and here's yeah. the deal. You're mine, and I'm going to show you how much you're going to suffer. You're mine now. Mm -hmm. And he took his eyesight for three days. He went to Damascus, and then Ananias has this conversation. Ananias yeah. and God. This is the thing that blows my mind, too, about people saying, you know, I wish if it would be easier if, if God could just talk to me audibly, I would be able to obey better. Well, uh -huh. Ananias, yeah. Ananias obeyed, but he argued with God. Yeah, like that's the he's like, whoa, whoa wait, yeah. do you know who this guy is? He's like, <laughs> really? Yeah. So he goes and he he yeah. goes and he shares with him 
-hmm. And Paul, or Saul becomes Paul and is saved Mm -hmm. and becomes a ferocious, Mm -hmm. radical preacher of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And and it wasn't a, you know, I want to ask Jesus into my heart and be my savior. And it was, listen, you're not doing this anymore. You're mine. Stop it. He didn't say, you know, Paul, I just... I just think we would do so much better if we worked together, you know? I would love it if we had a little, what's the word? Synergism going on between us, you know? If you would just accept me, you know? Let me tell you what my favorite part of that story is. And reading this story one time a few years ago changed, it flipped a switch for me. And that's the moment where Ananias is is hearing from God and is receiving instruction on what he's supposed to do. And God says these words to Ananias. He says, For he is my, he, speaking of Paul, Saul, he is my chosen instrument. Yeah. And when I read read that, and I I dropped my, uh, what? (laughs) What does that mean? And I just, it wrecked Mm -hmm. some of my understanding. I was like, man. Yeah. That's intense. That's amazing. What what are the implications of this? And and I, and I think what you're kind of getting at there is that Paul Saul's story and then becoming Paul and and how God used him. Paul is a quite literal uh very radical example. It is. I think yeah. of what happens now that, in the heart it, it doesn't of every ha- believer. Probably one right. of the best. He's a radical example. <laughs> Obviously extreme. Most, Obviously most Jesus right. doesn't show up to us in a... I mean, he could, but he doesn't show up into us with a bright, shining light and say, listen, you're mine now. But it happens. The text is open and, he's, right. and, and, and the Holy Spirit convicts you of your sin and says, stop it no more. Right. You will not do this. Mm-hmm. You are mine now. You're mine. And then yeah. you're... And you can't run from that. You can't right. decide to avoid that or discredit that in any way. And I think that's one of the things that gets lost in translation a lot of times is we as Christians, as humans, sinful, tend to try to take it that route. As in, oh, I can can choose. Something as miraculous and as awesome as that Mm -hmm. isn't going to change me. It's ultimately, or persuade me. It's ultimately my decision. I have literally heard somebody say, well, Paul could have, Still chosen to not believe mm-hmm. at that point. How can you take that from the text? <laughs> I said, really? <laughs> Why do you think that? And they're like, well, I don't know. I just, I just think he, he still could have chosen not. I said, my friend, no, no. Christ the, the, the text not. <laughs> Here's the he, King of Kings yeah. comes before you. <laughs> Look at this. Okay, I'm gonna read I the mean, text. I'm gonna read the text. It says in in, in Acts chapter nine. Yeah. It says, and he said, "Who are you, Lord?" And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what to do. No, I don't feel like it. So Peter arose and went with them. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> so I'm like, what? And he says, so the men with him were traveling with yeah. him, stood speechless, hearing the voice, but they, they couldn't see. They saw no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and he didn't eat or drink for those three days. And now at, there was a disciple, Ananias. He goes in, talks to him, and then he goes down into verse twenty of chapter nine. And immediately, as soon as he was, the sight was given back to him. Mm-hmm. It says verse twenty, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus. In the he synagogue. is the Son of God. 
I mean, I there was no... The, I mean, what a, what a radical... And it's not that I'm allegorizing Paul. This really happened. This happened. This is a true yes. story. He was on his but way to kill Christians. How is... What a radical, beautiful picture that God shows us using Paul as his mm -hmm. chosen instrument. In the life of Paul, we are seeing a radical picture of what happens in the life of every believer when God sovereignly chooses to change their heart. He regenerates them. He raises, Aaron raises them to spiritual life. Ephesians 2, the passage you were reading. Mm -hmm. He changes them forever. He convicts them of their sin. They hate their sin. They're broken over it. He gives them a new heart with new desires. And whereas they were at enmity with God before, Romans 3 and Romans 5, now they desire to please him yeah. and desire to seek after him. So that's, that's, yeah. So so what do you say to somebody who says, okay, so if we don't choose God, then why Jesus? Because I've heard those arguments being, you know what I'm saying? What do they even mean when they say yeah, that? I, why yeah, Jesus? Yeah, so uh, if, if God has called me and I'm already part of the select, then why did he have to send his son to do that? Without oh. the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Hey, now we're getting into atonement, aren't we? I, yeah. Hey, I love it, man. Yeah. Regeneration. But I've had people ask me that. Atonement? You know, and it's it, it's yeah. honestly heartbreaking to hear them say it, but yeah. joyful well, see, they're, in the they're same missing sense. A, a, yeah, that gives you an opportunity, right? Because sure, they're missing a core part of the gospel. Yeah. He sent his only begotten son. Well, why do why? you have to do that? You don't understand. If you're asking that question, you don't understand how holy God is mm -hmm. and, and how, how wretched you are. are. You, you, all you uh, have, if you want to see God's view of sin, you have to. You don't have to go any further than Calvary. Absolutely. That's as far as you have to go. And you look at how, how despicable and de like how horrifically rough and dis just awful mm -hmm. Calvary was. Jesus did that on our behalf. Mm -hmm. That's what you and I deserve. You and I deserve that kind of wrath and that kind of punishment and that kind of pain. Mm -hmm. And Jesus loving us, back to Ephesians 2, Ephesians, mm -hmm. you know, but God. And yeah. I remember the first time you and I talked about Ephesians 2 and you, you, even, you read that and you teared up. Like you went in complete... Yeah. I don't, I don't think I can read that passage publicly without tearing up. <laughs> it's, I mean, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us. Yeah. That, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he came for us. Yeah. And that same idea is echoed in Romans as well, right? Yeah. While we were yet still sinners. Yeah. yeah. Like you see in the pattern here. Yeah. While you were running, while you were rebellious, while you were haters of God, dead, Right, I mean, it's the pattern is always this: you were that way, yeah. But God, but God, but God stepped he in chose. at just the right time. God did this for His Boom. glory, for His sake, for His name's sake. Name's I sake. mean, it's all through Scripture. Yep, yep. I mean, you have to get your priorities straight yeah, here. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, um, last point I want to talk about in this exciting little adventure. And this is and now this is the one that most Baptists can get on board with, and they they can get on with. And here's you know most people say, well I, I'm a, I can go two to three of those, maybe two or three of the points. I can yeah. go with total depravity. I can go with that one typically. Yeah, I can do that. Um, uh, um, and should we cover the points by the way again, just real sure, quick? Sure, go ahead. Yeah, just quick, quick review. Through. Yeah. So, so if we go by the known acrostic today, which is tulip. Yep. Uh, originally. You would have seen a more an order like ooltip, 
Uh-huh. Um, right. But it's it's been since changed, and I honestly think that the modern, the contemporary order makes a lot of sense. Sure. Um, because depravity comes first. When you understand your depravity, I've said this many times, until people understand and grasp total depravity, or by the way, sometimes it's referred to as radical depravity, yeah. or total, um, sorry, I, I forget the other one. Um, until you understand depravity, until you understand the gravity of your sin, you will not understand the rest of the points. Nope, you gotta you understand you're a sinner. You because have you to. can't understand how those those other points won't mesh together. They won't make sense until you understand depravity. Yeah. So uh, just to, to name them off, we've got two. We've got total depravity, unconditional election, also sometimes referred to as sovereign election, yep. mm-hmm. if you like that better. You've got limited atonement, and you mentioned earlier, Caleb, a lot of people don't like that term. They, no. Uh, limited? Limited how? The fact is <laughs> you, everybody limits the Are you trying to limit God? The, <laughs> the fact is everyone limits the atonement. And if we don't have time, we don't have to dig into all that. But the fact is, you either limit the atonement's efficacy, its power, or you limit its scope. Yeah. Right? And Calvinists would say that the scope is limited. Absolutely. Meaning it's limited to God's chosen people, those whom he foreknew, the elect of God. Which, uh, just real quick before you move on, uh, it's important for, I think, our fellow brothers and sisters to understand that... Um, Christ is is going to forgive you. There's no, there's there's not a like once you're of Him and you confess and you repent and you turn from your sin, He is faithful and just to forgive. As yeah. First John when I said, yeah, so I, I think sometimes people try to limit the atonement in that sense. That yeah, but if I keep making the same mistake. Yeah, in a, in a sense of how is he gonna what forgive? level of forgiveness. Absolutely. You know, how much? Let me, just, let me just throw so. this out here. None of our sins have ever caught Jesus off guard. Yeah. He's not going, oh, are you serious? He did it again? I can't believe they did that. <laughs> we might do that, but he doesn't do again, that. Again, I ask you, is he sovereign or is he not? He's he not, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> he, he, he died, you are called. All right. Yeah. So limited atonement, as I mentioned, everyone limits the atonement. It's a matter of how. If you really just can't deal with that word, it is sometimes also referred to as definite atonement yeah. or sometimes perfect <clears throat> atonement. I like perfect. Um, some people like, <laughs> like perfect it. because then it becomes too pip. Yeah. You know? <laughs> fun, fun little word, you know. And I um, said he died just a minute ago. He rose to people. That's the whole point of this. Thing. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, so then we have the I, which is irresistible grace, sometimes also referred to as irresistible call, yeah. because that's what it's about. Um, yep. And then finally the P, we have uh, perseverance of the saints, also sometimes called preserving grace preserving. So preservation, perseverance, those words could be interchangeable there. So, yeah. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just no, wanted no, no, to no, make okay, sure we like, That's good. cover I, bases because you were, you were moving absolutely. on. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think we did that at the beginning anyway. No, we didn't. Right, right. Outline them. So, so, the so which direction thing, were you headed? Last thing I wanted to talk about. Can we lose our salvation? That's believers well, may well, lose that's their the P, salvation. Isn't it? That's the P. <laughs> Election can never be lost. So and this is and I'll take this. I mean, and and what were you reading there? Just so they know, just the end of the the end of the points of, of Calvinism versus the Arminianism. Point of yeah. Calvinism. In case so. you're wondering, we're looking at a small, just a pictorial chart that yes. shows a side by side comparison. And what I might do Calvinism just for fun is on, on the SoundCloud page, 
put that as the graphic. Yeah. Just so people can sure, ha sure. Can, can have that. It's on my Google Drive. You can have it anytime. I'll take it. Um, <laughs> you sent it to me, so I'll take well, it. Well, I did already send it to you. You of did course send I did. it to me, so I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> Um, no. So, believe, so Armenianism believes that that we may lose, uh, we can lose our salvation, and Calvinism teaches that we can never lose our salvation. And mm -hmm. here's the deal: the Bible teaches that we can never lose our salvation. Right. In fact, Jesus said, "If they went out from us and they didn't stay with us, they weren't, they weren't of us." First John two nineteen. Thank you. I yeah. knew you. I knew you'd had that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so if you, I mean, you can go there and we can read it directly. I'm going to John six actually. And, and then well, well, go ahead. I got Peter pulled up, so I'll I'll just highlight that. Well, it's and then you've got Romans here later. And then you've got <laughs> Romans eight. And here's the thing that just you can't deny this. And Romans eight says no. Uh, in uh, verse thirty eight, Romans eight thirty eight. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor heights nor depths nor anything else in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So right. you read that and people go, wait a minute. Yeah, I see that, but it didn't say me. I can jump right. out of his hand. And I'm like, yeah. hey, silly. Go back to that read, read nor anything <laughs> hey, silly. else. Silly. You're so nice. I'd love to hear you call like another grown man silly. <laughs> hey, silly. Listen here, you silly. You silly goose. I wanted to say moron, but I was like, you know, look, <laughs> That'd be more appropriate. Well, and see, look, it's very important there, right, is once again to examine the context. Who is that talking about? Because you're right after the golden yep. chain that yep. Aaron just read a yep. minute ago. Mm -hmm. It's those the who he foreknew, foreknew because the, the seeker-sensitive churches, I'm going to call you out right now, they love to quote that verse that you just mm -hmm. read. And nothing can separate you from the love of God. So just come to him. Just accept him. Nothing can separate you from him. No, no. They love to rip that out of context. It's out of context. Except like, if you're not really of God in the first place. Mm. <laughs> but quite the so here's and so here's the thing. Is, oh, this is we, I can jump out of no, nor anything else in all creation. Nothing, not even you, can separate you. Right. Like once you're in, the, the scripture says. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Sealed. When you're sealed, you're sealed. And you can't break the seal. You can't go, oh, I'm going to get in here and scissor cut this thing out. You can't do that. You can't scissor cut it out. You can't punch it out. You're sealed in and it's cemented, sealed. welded sound in. effects or something. Last time I, I checked, any time there is a seal mentioned in Scripture, there's only one who breaks that seal. Exactly. That's right. You that go to right. Revelation, oh, we can't read that or I'll cry like that a baby right is, here. Uh, is, that was a... <laughs> yeah, there's only one there's only one that breaks that seal you can't it's, it is so vitally important that people understand that your salvation is not of you no right <laughs> I, it's goodness gracious if you were, had nothing to do with your salvation if you couldn't manifest and get your salvation <coughs> there's no way that you can do anything to get rid of your salvation that's to imply that you have the power to preserve it or to cause it in the first place it makes me think of that song that you know you sing in church and or you hear in a lot of southern baptist churches i have decided yeah, to find. so and i used to sing that and love it and then i know. and then i started really thinking about it i'm like my face is in my palms right now, in case you're wondering. And it, and it really <laughs> should be, I have decided that I'm going to honor Jesus' choice to love me. You know what I mean? That's or, or <laughs> I mean, you, you, you could even say, I have decided to bow my knee. Exactly, to, to call on my face, yes. To, because you won't bow your knee. No, you yeah. won't bow your knee until Christ has changed your yeah. heart. Yep. I have decided to submit. When that veil is lifted, me. it is 
heartbreaking, earth-shattering stuff. Yeah, I don't think when people... you see that, it just so the basic no, basic thing to just to, to to wrap all this up is we're right at an hour now. Um, we weren't going to go an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> um, is is this this idea that that the God is sovereign, and when you start to see and believe that God is sovereign over all things, yeah, the rest of the stuff really falls in line. It's it, it, that's the linchpin. If you if you don't believe if you if you're an open theist and you believe that God's sort of sovereign, like I had a conversation with a Methodist preacher one time, mm. and I said, "Do you believe that God's word is in, the inspired word of God?" He goes, I, "It's inspiring." Mm. And I was like, "Ah, oh, there we go. Yeah. There's a problem. There you go. And There's your about, problem. What Foundation. This, yeah. What about this scripture in First Peter? I just want to get it out of yeah. the way real quick because it's something not to be dismissed or taken lightly. In reference to this particular last topic." On the five points. Uh, for Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. That's First Peter uh, 3.18. So I think it's yeah. that's one of the most relevant passages when I think of this particular topic. Once and for all. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that he's going to come back and die again. And again, yeah. and again, once, he died once and, and once for all. Once for all, was sufficient. Time. Yes, and that's once what, yes. for all time. So, just yes. in case some of you are wondering, yes. that sounds like a contradiction that he, he died for all people. <laughs> yes, no. thank you, thank you, thank that's, you, thank I, you. Once I, I had all. to touch that's on that. That's why it says for the the just for the unjust in reference to us elect who have separated. Right. So my dad used yeah, this illustration. Once for all time. Yes, yes, thank you. For he said, if if you could lose your salvation. Jesus would every time you sin, Jesus would have to come back, be born of a virgin, live a sinless life, mm -hmm. die on the cross. Hey, your dad said that. Yeah, yeah. If if, I, I if it was quote, for nothing, I was going to quote MacArthur. He said something to the effect of, "If you could lose your salvation, guess what? You, you would. would. <laughs> you would. You yeah. absolutely yes. would. Yeah. But guess what? Christ says, none, nothing shall snatch them out of my hand. Where does it nothing. say that at? John six and John ten, <laughs> I believe, yeah, and the, and the whole time that this is what's so it. important for for you to get those who are listening to this, is that when we're talking about preservation, perseverance, this should be a humbling thing, and it yes, should be absolutely. a, a glorious comfort and a peace, warm blanket, and make no mistake, you always go with your warm blanket. I love make the warm no blanket mistake. illustration. This, this discussion that we're doing here right now, that Caleb invited us. Thank you, by the way, again to yeah, do yes, this because it's been fun. It's it's not to gloat. Nope. And it's not to put down anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. This absolutely. is to uh, kind of share our thoughts, our feelings, our love for who Christ is and what God has done for us, the sovereignty of Him to others uh, who might be, yeah. you know, struggling with some of this stuff. So. Right. And, yeah. and that's and we wanted and, and that's my hope is I maybe it came off arrogant just I mean, but this is I'm not trying to be arrogant I'm just no. trying to make the well points. biblical truth isn't arrogant it isn't arrogant maybe shocking it might but be not shocking arrogant. yes <laughs> but the there point there is, are many who can have an arrogant attitude and uh, I apologize to any of you out there sure. on behalf of Calvinists who have been smacked over the head yes. with the with, cage with yeah. the cage yeah. stage yes. Calvinist hammer so to speak yeah. and what you need to understand is any anyone who claims to be a Calvinist and has truly studied the doctrines and understands them they should be one of the most humble yep. 
broken people you have ever met. Absolutely. Yep. They, these truths should humble us. And I encourage you, if there's nothing else you get out of this podcast, to just dig into the Word, see what it says, start start just digging. Just dig as deep as you can. And when you feel like you can't dig any deeper, pull yeah. up YouTube and, yeah, yeah. and start Somebody digging. Somebody will say something that will re-spark, reignite your yeah. <laughs> zeal. I mean, you need, so. Dig into these things because I can promise you one thing is that when you start to grasp these doctrines, they will not make you feel like you know everything. Exactly. They will do the opposite. They will make your view of God and His grace so much vastly bigger than you ever could have imagined. And then you're left sitting in your chair in broken, awe of God, like, broken, oh my weeping over your sins, saying, I don't know anything. That's yeah. the reason I brought you guys. I had it all wrong. I don't know anything. I had it all wrong. I'll be honest. And that's the reason I brought God. you guys Absolutely. in. All you can do Absolutely. is drop to your knees yeah. in adoration. And that's why I wanted to bring you guys in. It's just simply because, hey, listen, I'm, I, I want to be able to bounce these things off of each other and have the conversations because I don't know everything about the Bible. Mm-hmm. And, but not, n- none of us do. But, I mean, there's, there's things that we haven't even begun to plumb in the text that we, you know, just, it's huge. But the idea of this is, here's the thing. Jesus does love you. He loves you. And without hearing the word, without hearing that you're a sinner, without hearing the, the, the gospel, you can't be saved. And this is my hope of hearing you here. If you're listening to this show, here's the deal. You're sinful. You're wicked. Period. Just like me. Just like Zach. Just like Aaron. Would you say you are depraved? I am depraved, very much. My heart and is he, deceitfully wicked. It is. But here's the thing. Christ knew me before the foundation of the world. He came after me anyways. That's the warm blanket. Is that he knew who I was before the foundation of the world, and he still came. He, sent, he still sent his only begotten son mm-hmm. to ransom and, and reconcile and redeem me. Grace and as a result grace, of that, mm-hmm. as a result of that, now Ephesians 1 tells me that I'm blameless. Right, Amen. I'm blameless. Not of anything that I did. Justified. I'm justified. Just declared righteous. Reconciled. Clothed with the righteousness yeah. of Christ. Yeah. So, my yeah. hope for us is is if you're listening to this, dig into God's word. Like Zach said, read John, read the book of John, yeah. and then when you're done reading the book of John, read the book of Romans. Hey, yeah. real quick, guys, read let through. me ask you this for uh, people who may not know, just to give them some references maybe they could go check up on, maybe some names that they might I'm want so to. I'm so glad you brought that to, up. I think it's important because, uh, you know, when when I first heard of this Calvinism, when, mm-hmm. you know, and when I had no idea. When the spark first ignites, it's hard to yes, know what direction you know, Absolutely, and there's right. so much out there, uh, uh, miscontent. If that's a thing, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. uh, stuff that'll lead you in the total wrong direction. Fake news. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just yeah. if if both of you guys could maybe share some people, some scriptures, yeah, some, sure. some sites um, for for a few that I'd highly recommend. Uh, uh, God rest his soul, R.C. Sproul. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, definitely Sproul. look into his content. Um, Steve Lawson is yep. a phenomenal, phenomenal teacher. Um, he's who some of my content, content came from yeah. here, I believe. Um, John MacArthur, uh, I've got the John Johnny MacArthur, Mac. great, my Bible great teacher right as well. Um, people like Vody Bauckham, a uh, wonderful Reformed Baptist teacher. Um, if you're James looking White. for James author, White. Dr. James White, White yeah. man, 
the debater pro. I just, like I just um, love his. Um, Dr. James White, uh, Jeff Durbin is a great younger yes, source. Jeff Durbin. Uh, got a great head on his shoulders. And a great beard, by the way. Um, and a great beard, yeah. Jeff, if you happen to listen to this, um, I'm going to tell you right now, Zach's giving you a run for your money with that beard. And Dr. White like, knows, because I met Dr. White. Oh, he was, right, and he was, like, he was like, that's intense. I also like going? Chandler. Uh, yeah. Matt Chandler, yeah, yeah. yeah. sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. Matt he's, Chandler, he's got some areas that are sure, a sure. little fishy, you know. Yeah, but, yeah. but all in all, yeah, good, good teacher. Uh, I've enjoyed much of his yep. teaching. Chandler, um, um, if you're looking for authors, if yes. you're more of a reader yeah. Yeah. rather than you want to look for things to, be, and all many of these guys have written books. Obviously. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, one of the greatest authors I can recommend on any subject regarding the doctrines of grace, Arthur W. Pink. Yeah. A.W. Oh, yeah. Pink, a phenomenal, wonderful author, uh, very wise, very well-worded. And if you want to start digging into historic stuff, guys, look into the Reformers. Look yeah, into the church absolutely. fathers, yep. the yes. people who who shouted. And John Google, Knox. John Google will be your friend in that aspect. got John so. Knox, Jonathan Edwards, John Owen, basically anyone named John. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, uh, Charles Spurgeon. You've got John Calvin, another John. Um, just so many. Uh, Martin Lloyd Jones. He's a little more recent. Uh, J. C. Ryle. Uh, look up these old reformers. These great, great authors. Um, and once you do, you will just not to... be sorry. J. I. Packer. There's another J. Yeah, I. Packer was amazing. <laughs> once they do, understand <clears throat> that uh, we don't expect you just to uh, get on your horse and start challenging. You know everybody that you come in contact. Don't become with. the cage yeah. Calvinist. Yeah, please. Just don't do that. Yeah. Try, try. Just pray that God give you the grace and the the wisdom to uh, uh, handle the the things that He shows you through this yeah. stuff. Because uh, that's always my prayer is that you know there's no conceit, there's no uh, take my wick wickedness and my selfishness out of it yeah. when I'm speaking to someone else. Yeah. Please. Come on. Yeah. Well, it's been fun, guys. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a blast. Thank you so much for listening to the radio show today, guys, the podcast. Um, We love you guys. God bless you all. Kicks the knowledge, man. Yep. (laughs) It's fun. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule. Thank you very much for having us, man. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. This program has been brought to you by DSR, a technology company that has been investing in Bartles of a Families for over 35 years. DSR, we deliver technology.